Hello, hello, gang. It's Chapo coming at you once more. It's me, Matt, and Felix, as always. All right. Uh, we are back. Um, let's see. Clear off the, uh, the, the real news of the week. Obviously, uh, uh, the, the biggest story right now, I mean, I think it, I, I, everything in our current domestic politics is right now existing under the pall of both, you know, a surge and the Delta variant, but, like, really more importantly than anything else, the the the, the la- the way in which the eviction moratorium has been allowed to like uh, lapse, um, like you know, like I said, under the pall of you know a spike in COVID cases, that seems like you know it, it seems like we're going back to where we were last year. But I mean, like just just the 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 savagery of the eviction moratorium, and like or just rather the idea that that's run out, and now they're going to be like a million people or something who are, you know are going to be uh, out on the streets in, like, in, in this context right now. But also just the uh, perpetual excuses for why this was allowed to happen. And it involves like, you know, a Supreme Court decision, but they, like, the White House had a month to deal with this. And like, basically where we're at now is they're like, oh, we, we want to extend the eviction moratorium, but we need the CDC to do it. And like, right now, Pelosi and like, the um, like, like, uh, Democratic leadership are basically asking the CDC to be like, okay, we're the federal regulatory agency that can ask for an extension of the eviction moratorium. It just seems like the classic Democratic thing of searching for uh, supposedly apolitical, uh, sort of bureaucratic, sort of technocratic solutions to what is essentially a political problem. I do like um, the mental image I've gotten because like Biden and Pelosi have been tossing the the hot potato to each other back and forth. And, like, have they personally been calling each other? I think they've probably just been, uh, like, posting at each other. Yeah, I mean... At Speaker of the House, fix this. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, yeah, it's so, like, Biden's like, hey, we can't do anything. I'm not going to tell the CDC not to do this. And Pelosi's like, okay, I'm going to... I'm going to kind of try to do this, but not really. There were, like, about a dozen Democrats who basically sunk this thing in the House seem like anyone tried all that hard and then pelosi's like can you do this and um it's like there's nothing i like more than watching two old people try to fix each other's printer <laughs> yeah that they really don't give a shit about neither of them give a shit about this i mean biden i think doesn't even really know what's happening and pelosi just like doesn't care no she it's, said it's, that no, she just found out about it a day before they were supposed to recess she's like yeah. oh shit we didn't do anything about that ah oh, dang it Hey, anyway, you guys, can you help us out? CDC, uh, at CDC, at White House, uh, at state governments. Yeah. Somebody do something. Yeah. We're and, then they be- got the, and then they can also mutually put it on the states because there's a shit ton of money that was supposed to be appropriate, that was sent to the states to go to pay some of this so that there wouldn't be evictions and none of it has been dispersed. But there's no mechanism to make them disperse it, so it just sits there that they get to point to that and say, well, well, what? That everyone gets to not be responsible. It's wonderful. Yeah, no, I mean, the same thing that sort of happened with UI in a lot of red states where, you know, they asked Saki about it and she was like, they have the right to take the money and not disperse it. <laughs> Just, um, yeah, no, I mean... At this point, if you're talking about how Democrats get fooled and you can look at that, no, they just, they literally don't give a shit. You would only do that if you, for some reason, in some way, you wanted that to happen. Yeah, I mean, because like at, at bottom, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, like no matter who you vote for, I mean, like the the the, the base fact is that like landlords being out of money counts more than people being out of their house. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like that's what counts. 
and like everything else is window dressing. I'm just going to I just read a little bit from the New York Times' coverage of this. This is a headline, eviction freeze set to lapse as Biden housing aid effort lags. Uh, just like their coverage of it from the end of the last week, it says here, a nationwide moratorium on residential evictions is set to expire on Saturday after a last minute effort by the Biden administration to win an extension failed, putting hundreds of thousands of tenants at risk of losing shelter, while tens of billions in federal funding intended to pay back their rent sit untapped. The expiration was a humbling setback for President Biden, whose team had tries, has tried for months to fix a dysfunctional emergency rent relief program to help struggling renters and landlords. Running out of time and desperate to head off a possible wave of ev- evictions, the White House abruptly sh- shifted course on Thursday, throwing responsibility to Congress and prompting a frenzied and ultimately unsuccessful rescue operation by the Democrats in the House on Friday. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, it's all, it's all there, like a, a frenzied at last minute effort. You know, months of stalled negotiations. It's just like, this is on them entirely. This is on them entirely. And like, what do you guys make of, you know, I know uh, it was like, you know, uh, uh, Cory Bush was like staging a protest on the, the, the steps of Congress to get them not to go home on vacation while letting, because I mean, like, obviously the, the image of them all going on vacation as soon as this eviction thing <laughs> kicks in is pretty, wow. pretty humorous. And, you know, like you can, you know, you can kick up a stink about it and say, like, you know, we shouldn't be leaving town. Like, this is this is the number one thing we need to take care of. This is what people voted for us or whatever. But like, look, I mean, this is entirely the doing of Democratic leadership and Joe Biden. And like if if you're I I mean, like like if you're voting for Nancy Pelosi to continue her House leadership position, like, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, like, obviously, I, I, I. you can appreciate the effort or whatever, but like, I mean, what good is it here? I mean, like, they, like this is, it's their fault. They're doing, it's not their fault. Like they did this on purpose. Yeah. They would, do you think they would have ever done this for the fucking January 6th commission, that entire ma- masturbatory affair? No, they just did not care about this. And I, I'm sympathetic to some of the squad, their position here, but it's like, at the end of the day, if you just like uncritically vote for Pelosi, like what do you think is going to happen? She can she can learn and grow at five hundred years old. Well, there's no there's no way. I mean, there is no way to assert meaningful pressure unless you want to do the things that a member of Congress has already discounted by virtue of being in Congress. Like because the the argue about 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 going uh, hard against Pelosi requires a willingness to accept consequences that people who run for Congress don't want to have happen. Like yeah. the, the and so and and whatever whatever their uh, decision making matrix is, it's going to be f- uh, founded in the assumption that that them being in charge is better than the Republicans being in charge, and that they specifically being in Congress is better than somebody else being there. So as long as there's no pressure, coordinator pressure to to threaten anyone uh, with the loss of their position, and there isn't then there is nothing really to do. Now, that makes the attempts by, you know, progressives in Congress to present themselves as a meaningful current pretty disingenuous. But once again, what else are they supposed to do? Tell you, actually, I'm just another asshole member of Congress with about as much power as any of the other ones? No one wants to hear that because then that it it underlines the the fundamental, the, the powerlessness of everyone within this system. Uh, and we have no response to that. No one has a response to that. And, uh, and if you point it out too much, people will just say you're blackpilled, uh, which is it. And uh, the idea of a blackpilled Congress is pretty cool. Uh, I think that there should be someone blackpilled in Congress. 
Uh, but the incentive structure of running for Congress does not suggest for the black does not uh, it does not uh, select for the black pilled among us. Yeah, we we only have a gumbo pilled congressman. <laughs> That's the closest we <laughs> closest thing. None of this matters. Let's make a stew. Yeah, let's go down there. Let's go and get <laughs> yeah. that going. But yeah, no, you saw the same thing with uh, I don't know if you saw after you know everything. Ilan Omar uh, voted, you know, for unconditional aid to Israel, and yeah, when people people sort of justify it, it's like, well, yeah, you know, it's going to pass by overwhelming margins anyway, and if she votes against it, it's another problem. But then, yeah, you go back to the same problem. Okay, so you're at the end of the day, even with every post and every statement and every thing you do say that is unlike something someone in Congress will usually say. It's still going to be, yeah, You by virtue of being there, you're not going to accept the consequence of not voting for this unconditional aid for, to, for Israel, even if it was going to pass overwhelmingly. And in, in that event, you know, kind of what is the point of that? I, you know, I'm, the, the Nina Turner race, we haven't really covered all that intensely. But, yeah, no, I generally hope she wins just like how i generally hope uh omar and AOC and everyone that they stay in congress but i don't see a, what's one more of this what we're doing here what what's one more going to do i honestly i just want her to win out of spite at this point i just want her to, be, to beat Chantel brown out of spite but i i really have not seen enough here well the, it says i mean there's you have to be willing to blow it all up and, and at mm-hmm. least your own career. But then the reason they don't do that is because that wouldn't matter either. Yeah, I guess. Okay, so. you you said you you made the right votes and you spoke truth to power and you're gone and you've been replaced by somebody else. Did any of it matter? Does anyone remember it? No. So if you've spent your whole life like thinking this shit matters and then you get there and you get to actually in your mind be in a position to influence things, any small variation from the worst possible outcome that you can take credit for in your own mind is going to justify your position to yourself. Yeah, no, they don't need to threaten you with the heart attack gun or anything. You just being there, that's enough. You just become part of it. I just want to read here. This is the, uh, this is Jen Psaki's, uh, <clears throat> this is the official White House statement on the, uh, the Biden-Harris administration eviction prevention efforts. Uh, it begins here. For nearly 11 months, the CDC's eviction moratorium has served as a critical backstop to prevent hard-pressed renters and their families who lost jobs or income due to the COVID-19 pandemic from being evicted for non-payment of rent. The moratorium prevented hundreds of thousands of Americans from experiencing the heartbreak, homelessness, and health health risks that too often emanate from evictions, particularly during a pandemic. The administration considered it a prudent public health decision when the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention extended the eviction moratorium until July 31st. Given the recent spread of the Delta variant, uh, blah, 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 it goes on here. In light of the Supreme, Court, Supreme Court's ruling, the president calls on Congress to extend the eviction moratorium to protect such vulnerable renters and their families without delay. In addition, he has asked the U.S. Departments of Housing and Urban Development, Agriculture and Veterans Affairs to extend their respective eviction moratoria through the end of early, at the end of September, which will provide continued protection for households living in federally insured single-family properties. I mean, the, uh, the, the Supreme Court ruling she's talking about was on... I believe issued June 29th and that um, um, uh, this is a month went by before they put out a statement being like, Oh, oh wait, we need to do something about this. Congress needs to do something about that. And the statement was issued like a day before they all went on vacation for the summer. So, I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, like it's just, 
it's not it's just it's not a priority if you were well, not only is it not a priority eviction, it's against it's against yeah. the interests of people who have more influence in the democratic party than renters do yeah. like owners yeah i mean yeah i mean keep in mind even just this eviction protection is it's not even that you get free rent you know that's how much it's been bargained down it's like Okay, you don't you we we can't evict you during this time, but you're gonna owe all this fucking yeah. Back I mean, rent. like yeah. So the, the the like great left policy becomes like, all right, you're five figures more in debt. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like yeah. So I mean, like I, shit. I mean, like if you're in that position, like you better hope this fucking COVID shit just keeps going on because it's the only thing preventing you from getting hit with a bill that like you, you know you're. You're making what, like thirteen dollars an hour? I mean, Brian was talking about this the other day, just like imagining, like, yeah, like you've either lost your job or are making like in twelve, thirteen dollars an hour, and then you're going to get hit with eight months back rent. Like, how do you pay it? You can't. And then you're just what, like, uh, the sheriff's department just kicks your ass out into like a the the viral stew of contemporary America. Yeah. I mean, on the plus side, a lot of these cops who have been refusing to get vaccinated are being required uh, to get vaccinated so that they can carry out the evictions without oh, without good. becoming super spreaders. So that's good, at least. No, I mean, you, you see this all the time where, just in general, the policy that is for the poorest people, it gets, without most people even noticing, it gets moved along in such a way that, you know, suddenly when you when you are a someone who believes themselves to be very into homeless rights and uh, dignity for homeless people, your position is now suddenly not we have the money and the space and the resources and even the existing buildings to house these people. It's, no, they should be allowed to sleep on the bench outside and eat garbage. We shouldn't change that. Yeah. This shit's all getting moved along without you really noticing because who who – who can? Yeah, and if you're and if you're a renter, like uh, Matt, as you said, like if, if you rent, like you like in, in America, like if you rent, like you don't exist, like you like you're like you don't like you're you're, no. you're not you're no. not, in a real like, sense, you're not a concern I mean, for American, anyone who is in office. American policy, American to the degree that there's any popular uh, influence on American policy domestically, it has been dictated by specifically not not a middle class in some sort of amorphous sense but specifically the home owning class of americans that it, it, ever since ever ever since this, the reagan uh the deal was we're cutting off any upward distribution uh through wages anymore wages are staying flat but if you've got to 1980 and you have a house uh and you or you can afford to get a house then you have this guaranteed government subsidized investment instrument for life congratulations you're now part of you're you're a little mini capitalist too and those are the people who uh, stayed on board the uh, the uh, electoral train and are able to actually uh, dictate terms uh, to get a little bit of recognition from government while everyone else is is slowly immiserated. So to, if you've been if you've been fucking renting, you just don't exist. To hear people talk about landlords too, you know the the justification people always bring up is like oh well most people own you know one little shitty building you know they're not making all this much money off of this but why is this the outside of like you know incredibly large financial concerns or uh you know tesla or something or any of the other super massive things that we just have to keep afloat because the economy or the american economy is just a billion people running different big games on each other and it can't stop why is owning a house, why is that supposed to be a completely riskless investment? 
Yeah. Why is being even yeah. a small landlord? Why is that supposed to be the one investment you have no fucking risk on? You're you are selling rent at a fucking premium in a country where people make less and less money. Do you think you should have no risk for that? Why are you why are you entitled? You're not any more entitled to that paying off and making you some nice middle class living any more than anyone is entitled to a fucking media career. I don't give a shit. You put all your wealth into that, boo fucking who? Yeah. I mean, you, oh, like, you got to sell the house. Oh no. And you have like, to sell your your uh the the golden goose. I'm sorry. Yeah, sell it to fuck sell it to fucking BlackRock. You don't give a shit. Sell it to fucking BlackRock, put it all into Herbalife or NLE Chapa's herb company. Just lose it all and then cry about it later. I don't fucking give a shit. I'm not crying fucking tears for you if that's your job. Oh, I only own one fucking unit. Who fucking cares? And also, it it would be it would be easier to swallow if any of these people actually built the properties that they're charged to have a massive passive income stream as a result of. Um, And and also, like I mean, like in terms of the uh, like the home ownership thing, have you guys noticed this spate of articles that are just like you know. Well, if you look at the data here, um, millennials are not going to be like their parents in terms of like ever owning a home. And that's okay. That's okay. Like it's just, you know, and it's like, look, I mean, in a vacuum, yeah, that is okay. Not everyone needs to own a fucking house. But like, as we just laid out, if you, we we live in a country in which if you don't own fucking a home or if you don't own property in, in, in one way or another, you don't fucking count. And you also don't have any, the most important thing I think is that you have no security for the future. Because nobody, no, people don't have really any retirement savings. Most people don't. What they have, if they have a home, is they have that home equity. And if you don't have that, like, good luck. You're just going to get older and older. You're going to be uh, able to command less and less in the marketplace for your labor, but you're still going to have to keep a roof over your head that is not going to be one that you own. That this is not like an appreciated asset that in, in, a, in a pinch you could sell and live off of. You've got nothing. And yeah, and it, like I, I, like as you said, like it's it's the primary way in which like generational wealth is built and passed on. It's like basically the only way that that happens for yeah. any like any normal person in America. And Felix, to your point about uh, like BlackRock, that thing about how they're buying up like virtually every available single family home in America, like they're just buying all of this property, this one gigantic fund. And I think it's because like that they, they they see the same data that, that that everyone else does, and they're just like, okay, well, this is going to be the new pauper class. For for the for the future, and like what was formerly like middle class homeowners is now going to be this new, like like no like since like that's no longer available, um like yeah they're just going to be debtors to BlackRock they're going to own all the property and like they're going to, it's it's the new like a uh, yeah like a, a pauperization of just like yeah like like being at the whim of uh not just like a fucking like some some landlord who's just like you know uh, so happy that they're like oh i work so hard to own this one thing that i inherited from my parents and now i get to charge rent on you're talking about blackrock now being the landlord for virtually everyone who wants to have a family in this country and then like of course subjecting them to the same you know whims of like eviction and things like that and all the instability that comes along with it and again like it, it it's also hard to take like the official government line about like, you know, believe science and how serious the COVID pandemic and the Delta variant are when they're willing to just toss a million people out onto the street in the middle of it. Yeah. Every, everyone, I don't want to get into this again, but I mean, everyone does have a, every individual has a thing with COVID. If you're, you know, mad at people for, you know, not wearing a mask on a transit system, you're probably going to a bar or a restaurant where you're wearing your mask for a combined three seconds 
and then sitting at your table and taking it off. If you're not doing that, you're doing something. Everyone's doing something. It doesn't matter if polls say that, you know, oh, 60% of people would be fine with mask mandates back. It'll be like it was before the vaccine where everyone makes little fucking exceptions for themselves because that's how people are. They don't think the thing they do is as bad as anyone else. But the granddaddy of it all is the Democratic Party. If you really did give a shit about this, you would be doing your best not to create 3 million new homeless people and trying to fucking house the existing people who are just living and dying at in agony on the street every fucking day. I mean, it, it, the, the official policy for this is that we're, there's just a group of people that you are supposed to see because it's a warning for you not to quit your job, not to ask for too much, because you could end up like those people you see dying every day. And if you're aware of that good, just do what everyone else does and pretend you don't see them while you walk by. Keep your fucking AirPods in. But like, you know, like, like it's, with regards to the Democratic Party, I mean, they do this because they know that they will face no consequence whatsoever for doing it. Like, what, what, like it's, it's the same old thing. Who are you going to vote for? And I, I'm just bringing this up in context of, I don't know, like, did you guys see that article this week about how uh, Democratic insiders are really worried because Kamala Harris's like, <laughs> approval rating is underwater, and they're like they're very concerned because they're like, oh god, like you know, what, what what if we can't give Joe Biden enough adrenochrome to drag him across the line in twenty twenty four? And then you know, like all, all, all the backlash to it, where people are like, oh, I see, I see, uh, Putin's minions are at work uh, spreading the, the 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 lie that Kamala Harris is unpopular. But you know what? Like, if you're a Democratic Party insider, and you know. Kamala is what you're betting on and you see polls being like oh she's not very popular or whatever why like why even be concerned over it haven't you already proven that like like democratic voters will vote for anyone you give them like why be concerned about this I mean like if, if, if she's running against a Republican like do you think do you think do you think like the same people aren't going to fall in line I mean Joe Biden's the fucking president and if they lose then you just can't fundraise off of the terrible Republicans doing the stuff that you would do also but that they get to take the blame for with your voters. Yeah, no, it is a uh, heads I win, tails you lose situation. Yeah. Yeah, any, any panic presupposes they really care if they lose, which, yeah, we've determined they don't. It will be, I am, I'm split on this, because, like, I do want Joe to run again. I had a great time when he was running. It was really funny. I don't see any way in which it doesn't get funnier, you know, your brain doesn't improve from that yeah. in four years. It just He's not going to get better. Uh, we don't, it's rare to see him for a reason. But, I mean, Kamala running would be pretty fucking good. It would be pretty hilarious. She I, has, um, just to any, like, any, like, one who isn't just totally, like, on board with the whole Democratic program, the only way they could describe Kamala is the weirdest woman at your job. <laughs> well, I mean... A uh, weirdest person in blank is like a pretty good template for uh, gaining power in America, as, as we've seen over and over again. So there's two types of that. I mean, there's weird like Macron or Trump is or even Biden is. And then there's weird just like it's a person, you know, who you would jump out a window to not be in a one on one conversation with. <laughs> and just that's really on like, the elevator with. Yeah, them. just come up with the weird fucking laughter. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's just. She has a terrible vibe. She has a terrible vibe, and you just can't change that. I'm sorry. Her campaign would feature the most slow-motion footage of her walking. It's like that would be every dogs. ad. It would be every ad would just be her walking in the portico. 
What's Kamala doing if she's not walking with purpose in the White House? Do not come. Just in the eviction thing, I mean, because I know we we saw our friend Brian uh, was tweeting about it, and like like his whole thing was just like I'm never gonna. I'm never going to forget who was president when the eviction moratorium was allowed to lapse and neither should you. And like, I mean, what, what he was saying about it was just like, it's hard to even really take on or even imagine like the pain that we're talking about here. Like the, the, the pain of like being kicked out of your home because you lost your job because you don't have any income because of this fucking pandemic. And then the same government that's like, it's not like, oh, they, the government created the pandemic, but like the conditions necessary to deal with the pandemic have like led to a lot of people being out of work. And then like if you don't have a job, like you don't have a fucking house for most people. You don't have a roof over your head. What like what do you what do you do with, with the pain, like that, that kind of indifference to that level of pain? I don't know. I mean, but like, I mean, he was he was saying like, you know, possibly I mean, it's it's not like, you know, this is going to counteract it. But I mean possibly like some sort of 24-hour live stream to raise money for some sort of eviction fund i mean like i, I it's a preliminary process of planning it but like i i think that's something that you know would, would be a good would be a good event to do because i mean it's just no, like yeah, i can't think of anything totally. else that like yeah. is more important right now in terms of spending money and where to, you know if you had money to to donate or whatever it's just it, it, it you know if there's if there's a fund or something to keep people housed at this moment or just keep keep them from being evicted like a big rent fund or something uh i'd be interested in looking into that and if there's anything we can do to raise money for that i think a like another big like twitchathon would be would be a good thing to yeah to just i mean like yeah because i mean like i said it's it's impossible to like to hold all of this yourself or whatever but i mean i just got to do something i don't know yeah we are uh no we're totally down to ride with brian on that I'll be there all 24 hours if need be uh, watching man-cow videos. All right. Well, uh, moving on from eviction, I got, a, I got two reading series today that are uh, profiles of two uh, characters, two personalities that we've featured on the show before, uh, definitely favorites of ours. And th- these are two profiles of uh, two men, and it's just sort of like a peek in on what their lives are like now, post-election. And uh, the first one we're going to talk about is Mike Lindell, obviously, the, the, the MyPillow genius. And the second is uh, Chasen Buttigieg. You know, like two, just two, two guys who are friends of ours. We've been, uh, you know, characters on the show. And there are two very funny profiles of just like, like I said, a keyhole glimpse into what's going on with them now. What are they up to? What's their life like? So uh, beginning with Mike Lindell, uh, this is a profile of him by... Uh, Someone probably even dumber than he is, and I'm referring to Ann Applebaum in The Atlantic. Uh, the headline is, The My Pillow Guy Really Could Destroy Democracy. So <laughs> That's not a very good democracy if he could, yeah. yeah. No, that's like, yeah. man, you're working with a real clunker at this uh, Yeah, just ha- have at it, Mike, <laughs> yeah. seriously. We, we saw his movie. He's just like looking at fucking flat, like flash animation slideshows that are like, a computer connected from China to Wisconsin and going, wow, wow, <laughs> wow, wow, what, what, wow, 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 wow. If that destroys your democracy, you should have been throwing it out like 20 years ago at that fucking point. Jesus. So this, uh, uh, in the time I spent with Mike Lindell, I came to learn he is affable, devout, philanthropic, 
and a clearer threat to the nation. Well, and you, you had Don't you had your chance. My pillow guy now. And you had your chance. This was like meeting Sarah Connor in the eighties. Okay, when you blew it. All right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, you should have you should have fucking uh, given him the bot the fucking Breaking Bad uh, rice rice and poisoning. <laughs> what what yeah. you fucked up? Well, if if you believe do- this, if if you believe this as sincerely as Anne Applebaum does, how could you just take him to dinner and write an article about it? I mean, I don't even think Anne Applebaum, with like a year of planning, could do this guy did the most crack in Minnesota history, <laughs> and it did nothing to it. Just made him smarter, <laughs> as we saw from his movie. I mean, like, yeah, what would Ann Applebaum do? You put crack in his food so he relapses? He's going to do the same stuff. Yeah, only even more intensely and more powerfully. If you put an entire fucking vial of rice in, in like, his, you know, whatever, whatever the hell, he's, they went to a Uyghur restaurant, like, in his, like, kebabs or stuff, like, you know, he would just face it. (laughs) He's immune to all poison now. If you do that much crack. So uh, the profile begins... When you contemplate the end of democracy in America, what kind of person do you think will bring it about? Maybe you picture a sinister billionaire in a bespoke suit, slipping brown envelopes to politicians. Maybe your nightmare is a rogue general hijacking the nuclear football. Maybe you think of a jackbooted thug leading a horde of men in white sheets, all carrying burning crosses. Here is probably what you don't imagine. An affable, self-made Midwesterner, one of those goofy businessmen who makes his own infomercials. A recovered crack addict, no less, who laughs good-naturedly when jokes are made at his expense. A man who will talk to anyone willing to listen, and to many who aren't. A philanthropist, a good boss, a patriot, or so he says, who may be willing, who may be well, well, who may well be doing more damage to American democracy than anyone since Jefferson Davis. I have to say that <laughs> that is exactly who I would imagine. A crackhead yeah. pillow salesman <laughs> yeah. is who would bring this fucking country down. Of course it is. Those are that's like half the guys that were trying to do the business plot. Yeah. Or like the Mike Lindells of their day who were like formerly like addicted to turpentine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're just huffing varnish and trying to, to, to send a telegram to Smedley Butler. <laughs> uh, yeah, it says uh, who may well be doing more damage to American democracy than anyone since Jefferson Davis. I mean, god, how quickly we've forgotten Trump. You know, I mean, usually he would be getting those kinds of big boy comparisons to to JD. I feel like liberal media is like Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> It's like, no, yeah, oh, this is the greatest, scariest enemy of all time, the Tea Party. They're going to, oh, no, it's even more, it's even stronger. It's Kid Boo. It's Donald Trump. (gasps) Do we have a, his power levels are double that of Donald Trump. It's Mike Lindell. Oh, no, Joe, go float in the middle of the air and uh, just fucking squint as hard as you can and try to remember a fucking malt stand from 1948. It's like when they spend 130 episodes fighting Frieza because he's like the most powerful enemy ever. And then it's just like, oh, Frieza's back. And Trunks kills him in like 10 seconds. And you're like, yeah, what the Frieza, fuck? Yeah, yeah, Frieza or Cell would get washed by Kid Boo, And then I don't know what happened in the series after <laughs> that. There's probably like a new like space bug that could fucking destroy Kid Boo in like a blink of an eye. And Goku has to like become a new type of ape. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe Joe Biden. Joe Biden really has to like, you really have to just stop giving him medication and he will literally behave like a howler monkey. And that's how he beats Mike Lindell. 
So it says here, uh, I met Mike Lindell, the CEO of MyPillow, in the recording studio that occupies the basement of Steve Bannon's stately Capitol Hill townhouse, a few blocks from the Supreme Court, the same Supreme Court that will, according to Lindell, decide nine to zero in favor of reinstating Donald Trump to be president <laughs> sometime in August or possibly September. <laughs> oh, I, wait a minute. He's moving into September now? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's once again pushing it back. No, this is the perfect cokehead thing of big things coming <laughs> uh so it goes on for a bit it says um uh, like it's talking about the the uh, uh, uh the group of people who uh is, is sort of uh, featured on the lindell podcast including uh peter navarro rudy giuliani garland a guy named garland favoritino <laughs> favorito <laughs> garland favorito willis the guy who invented fame star <laughs> garland favorito willis at tree killer 35 <laughs> <laughs> Sonny Barella, Jack Pasibic, and of course Lindell. These are these are all guests on the the, the Bannon Lindell podcast uh, project. But it says even in this group, Lindell stands out. Not only is he presumably much ri- richer than Garland Favorito and Willis Tree Killer Thirty Five, he is willing to spend money on the cause. My Pillow has been an important advertiser on Fox News so much so that even Trump noticed Lindell. That guy is on TV more than I am. But it's since widened its net. My pillow spent tens of thousands of dollars advertising on Newsmax just in the week following the January 6th attack on the Capitol. And now Lindell is spending on more than just advertising. Last January, on the 9th, he says carefully, placing the date after the 6th, a group of still un- unidentified concerned citizens brought him some computer data. These were allegedly packet captures, intercepted data proving that the Chinese Communist Party altered electoral results in all 50 states. I, I love the, I love imagining like that's real and like the the <laughs> like at the highest levels of the CBC in a bunker 30 stories under Beijing. They're like, you idiot. You let Mike Lindell find the packets. <laughs> this plan that's been in motion for like three decades. They're like, this, uh, this all hinged on Mike Lindell not finding out. Uh, that's why Lindell has spent money, a lot of it, tens of millions, he told me, quote, validating the packets. It's, w- <laughs> it's why he is planning to spend a lot more. Starting on August 10th, he is holding a three-day symposium in Sioux Falls because he admires South Dakota's gun-toting governor, Christy Nome, where the validators, whoever they may be, will present the results publicly. <laughs> so this is, I mean, shit, I finally know what to do for my birthday. I'm going to, the, I'm going to Packet Fest in South Dakota. <laughs> yeah no, wacky I, I i'm like packet fest is like it is burning man for guys whose daughters won't talk to them anymore <laughs> it is that is like dude if you're 57 and you wear a pullover windbreaker and you call like a sexy red-haired 40 year old red and get slapped <laughs> if you're still getting slapped and like drinks thrown in your face in 2021 as like a middle-aged man that's fucking lala that's that's coachella <laughs> Wacky, though, it seems for a businessman to invest so much in a conspiracy theory, there are important historical precedents. Think of Olaf Oshberg, the Swedish banker who helped finance the Bolshevik Revolution, allegedly melting down the bars of gold that Lenin's comrades stole in train robberies and reselling them unmarked on European exchanges. Or Henry Ford, whose infamous anti-Semitic tract, The International Jew, was widely read in Nazi Germany, including by Hitler himself. 
Plenty of successful, wealthy people think that their knowledge of production technology or private equity gives them clairvoyant insight into politics. But Oshberg, Ford, and Lindell represent the extreme edge of that phenomenon. Their business success gives them the confidence to promote malevolent conspiracy theories and the means to reach wide audiences. I mean, it's funny she uses that example and not the example of literally every other rich person in American history who uses their wealth to subvert our democracy and also promote outlandish, idiotic conspiracy theories to that end. Yeah, it's it just, it's like just you're, those about, are beliefs that Ann Applebaum shares. That's the difference. Yeah, no, it sounds like she could just as easily be describing fucking Bill Broder, but that's a good guy. You can mock Lindell, dismiss him, or call him a crackhead. But none of this will seem particularly funny when we truly have an illegitimate president in the White House and a total breakdown of law and order. Uh, no, it's going to be incorrect. Incorrect. It's going to be no, fucking it's hysterical. Gonna be so it's going to be. <laughs> I can't. No, I want to be executed by Mike Lindell. <laughs> I want him. I want to like just like they made him like a plasma sword. They spent ten billion dollars inventing the sword from Halo that he can hold, and I'm executed for like talking to China or some bullshit. And he's just like, "I'm sorry, I have to do this to you, but you are sentenced to death. May you find peace in heaven." <laughs> I'll be laughing until my head just rolls down the Capitol steps. I can't yeah. Yeah, like it's the it's best like way to, what, you could imagine. Like you're gonna die anyway. Yeah, you wouldn't want that to be your end. Come on. No, we all gotta go. I want to be killed by the Arbiter's Plasma Sword by Mike Lindell. Yes, yeah, no, absolutely. it's just, uh, <laughs> just, you know, I mean, they say that your, you know, your, your, your brain retains like 30 seconds of consciousness after being neatly severed from your spine. So I'm just imagining like my, I'm, I'm rolling into a basket and like the last thing I hear as I fade to black is like Mike Lindell's like Owen Wilson style. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he really went rolling. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> we should play bocce with these. <laughs> I mean, just uh, shouldn't, shouldn't have messed with the packets. <laughs> All you have to do is not touch the packets. <laughs> Uh, so this goes. Uh, it says Lindell had agreed to have lunch with me after the taping, but where to go? I didn't think it would be much fun to take someone inclined to shout about rigged voting machines and fake COVID nineteen cures to a crowded bistro on Capitol Hill. Why wouldn't that? Wait, why wouldn't that be fun? And what? What the fuck like is wrong with you? That sounds fun like the funniest thing. thing you. You're writing a profile here. Let's get some pop. Let's get some. Yeah, juice I just want my article to be, even though I'm interviewing like the one of the funniest people in America. I like don't want this article to be that interesting. I would like if I like had to hang out with Mike Lindell. Yeah, I'm going to like French Laundry or one of those restaurants where you pay two hundred dollars for sea foam. <laughs> I want to. I want his fucking like. I want his dumbass to just like take out a bag of bugles and start dipping it in the tasting <laughs> menu food and being like, you know, uh, there's been a Chinese guy holding his breath in the Potomac since 1976. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, dude, dude, you're, you're fucking, up. you're selling me on this. Uh, because Lindell is famously worried about Chinese communist influence, I thought I would, he, he would like to pay homage to the victims of Chinese oppression. I booked a Uyghur restaurant. Why would you think he would want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you? Did you really think that, Anne? Anne Applebee's, what are you thinking? <laughs> what the fuck are you? Oh, yeah, because Mike Lindell's like so patriotic. I thought he'd want to see, you know, fuck. I thought he'd want to see the Manchurian candidate with me. What are you talking about? He this, doesn't know. He doesn't know what any of this shit is. <laughs> You're giving him like Uyghur food is actually amazing, but it's like this guy has not. He hasn't had anything that doesn't have a breadcrumb shell on it in 35 years. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? You should have taken him to the restaurant from Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie where every uh, utensil is a piece of bread. 
Yeah. Just everything is in a bread bowl and every meal has bread in it. Dude, you should have taken Mike Lindell to Boss Burger. He probably <laughs> oh, could, yeah, he, he would have loved it. Fix that, he could fix that restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on, guys. It's been 45 minutes. <laughs> Where's my Boss Burger? <laughs> this proved a mistake. For one thing, the restaurant, the excellent Dolan Uyghur in D.C.'s Cleveland Park neighborhood, was not at all close to Bannon's townhouse. Getting there required a long and rather uncomfortable drive in Lindell's rented black SUV. He talked to me about packet captures the whole way, <laughs> one hand on the steering wheel. I love that sure. she's just like, it's hard not to feel like she's like bragging. It's like, oh yeah, it was terrible. I got to ride in Mike Lindell's car for an hour while he talked about packets. It's he was like blasting. He was blasting sex packets by Digital Underground. <laughs> <laughs> I also like. It was like uh, the restaurant was a long way from uh, Bannon's townhouse, and also Mike made uh, se- several unscheduled stops to quote meet with a guy on the <laughs> yeah, way there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> returning Mike, strangely energized from each clandestine encounter. Mike, yeah, Lindell. Like the best thing about driving with him is probably like he probably fucking whips it. Yeah. Every, like, crazy middle-aged guy who's rich for a stupid reason, there's, like, I don't know if it's, like, a part of their brain that, like, thinks they can't die or a part of their brain that, like, wants to be punished. But they will drive, like, a 12,000 fucking ton SUV and just try as hard as they can to roll it in residential (laughs) traffic. Just flip it every time. But you know what? Every guy like that I've ever met is just, hey, nice to meet you. And then they're just, they're trying to just burst all of you into a fucking fireball inside of a tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but you know what though like if you're mike lindell though is it irrational to believe that you can't die yeah god has favored him might be immortal god (laughs) has favored him not only do you are you not going to uh not only are you not going to go to jail or have any real consequences for being a decades-long crack user you're going to get to be a pillow magnate who hangs out with the president uh it says here um uh, one hand on the steering wheel, the other holding up a phone showing Google Maps. So he, he's, he's using it. He's holding his fucking phone, looking at Google Maps while driving an SUV with one I, hand. That's- my man. <laughs> I love I love how he does everything. Because he is Mr. Perfect. He's Gu- he's white Gucci man. <laughs> he's Mr. Perfect. He's East Atlanta. He's East Chanhassett Santa. <laughs> Uh, once he got there, he didn't much like the food. He picked at his chicken kebabs and didn't touch his spicy fried green beans. More to the point, he didn't understand why we were there. He had never heard of the Uyghurs. I told him, I told him they were Muslims who were being persecuted by Chinese communists. He said, good. <laughs> yeah, no, he said, oh, he said, like Christians? Yes, I said, like Christians. <laughs> I think he might have just been asking that question, like, is a Muslim a Christian? <laughs> like, this, no. All this guy talks and cares about is, like, fucking, you know, affirmation of the day calendars, how to sell pillows and crack. He is not a worldly man. Don't let the packet intelligence fool you. <sighs> he kept talking at me in the restaurant, a kind of stream of consciousness account of the packet captures, his mistreatment at the hands of the media and the Better Business Bureau. I love that it's like, he's like, I've been persecuted by the Chinese Communist Party and the Better Business Bureau of America. They're, they're in league with one another uh, to, to say that my pillows aren't good. Um, 
It says here, uh, the dangers of COVID-19 vaccines and the wonders of oleandrin, a supplement he says he and everyone else at MyPillow takes. It says he is 100% guaranteed to prevent COVID-19. Is this the goat dewormer that all these people are taking now? Yeah, Invertine or whatever the fuck it is. Uh, I, I don't know if it's exactly yeah. that one, but I did see a, a photo of something from like a tractor supply store. They were like, warning, despite some media accounts, like this is not okay to take if you're not a fucking cow. If you're not a goat, do not take this goat worming, uh, this parasite fucking poison to uh, cure or prevent COVID-19 infection. Um, on all of these points, he is utterly impervious to any argument of any kind. Oh, wow. And you, you were going to fucking you were going to out argue the guy who smoked so much crack. His dealers cut him off. You will never win an argument against the fucking cokehead like that. They're 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 unbeatable. Um, I asked him what if hypothetically on August 10th it turns out that other experts disagree with his experts and declare that his data don't mean what he thinks his data mean. This, he told me, was impossible. It couldn't happen. I don't have to worry about that. Do you understand? Do you understand? I've been attacked. I have 2,500 employees and I've been attacked every day. Do I look like a stupid person that I'm just doing this for my health? I have better things to do. These guys brought me to this and I owe it to the United States to all, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, whoever it is, to bring this forward to our country. I don't have to answer that question because it's not going to happen. This is non-subjective evidence. (laughs) It's packets. I love that. I have better things to do. You absolutely do not. None of these rich assholes have better things to do, which is why they do this, because they're fucking bored and restless. Lindell is quite convinced, for example, that not only did China steal the election, but there is a communist agenda in this country more broadly. I asked him what he, that meant. Communists, he told me, take away your right to free speech. You just told me they are doing it to these people. He meant the Uyghurs. I've experienced it firsthand more than anyone in this country. The government has take, had taken his freedom away, put him in a re-education camp, I don't see anyone arresting you, I said. He became annoyed. Okay, I'm not talking about the government, he said. I'm talking about social media. Why did they attack me? Why did bots and trolls attack all of my vendor? I was the number one selling product of every outlet in the United States. Every one, every single one, all of them dropped like flies. You know why? Because bots and troll groups were hired. They were hired to attack. Well, now I've done investigations. They've come out of a building in China. (laughs) Oh wow, he sounds like such a raving lunatic. Like this is exactly Ann Applebaum. what Ann Applebaum doing, believes about Russia. Same, you're the same person. You're just more not as cool as him. You don't fucking whip the Escalade. Uh, it goes on for a long time, and but like that—that that was the funniest part. It just at the end here it says, uh, "Not long, too long after that, I suddenly found I couldn't take any more of this calculated ranting." And it's just like, but like Ann, I mean, like this is so peevish because like Ann only chose to profile him precisely so that something like this would happen. And, you know, like he gave her what she was asking for. And then she was just like, I simply couldn't take any more of his, his antics. Well, yeah, now that, now that, now that you've got what you came for, you can, you know, pay your check and leave. And he goes, I can hear the moment on the recording when I suddenly said, okay, enough and switched off the device. Although he ate almost nothing. See, I wonder why his appetite I wonder why, was yeah. so peckish. <laughs> I wonder why he was so uh, sort of peckish, you know? It's weird. It's a, he he had barely had anything to eat or drink, but he went to the bathroom like four times <laughs> before the appetizers got there. I'm, I'm just not hungry. Wow, these green beans are too spicy. <laughs> the bottom of his nose has to look like a tomato you've kept in your cabinet for a month. <laughs> I just have to believe that like his septum is just like a little, like a matchbook that he folded up and stuck in there. <laughs> 
I, I hope he doesn't hear this because, like, I want to be friends with him. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I mean, when he becomes God Emperor, I would very yeah, much like yeah. to be one of his one of his court jesters. He's going to be Napoleon. Like, yeah. that's our Napoleon. You know how, like, that's our monkey paws thing is how we're always like, oh, we needed, like, a Napoleon to, like, make it so there aren't as many states and, like, unfuck up everything. Yeah. Well, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> We got, we have a Napoleon. He's from Canhasset, which is our Cariska. Yeah, and it's like what Corsica, what, what Cariska, uh, Carisco. Carisco? I that that's, was close enough. That's impressive. That's close, that close enough. Yeah, and like uh, Napoleon got there to his his combination of will and ability, and the beauty part of America at the end of its decadent era age is that all you need is the will. provided for you by our good friends in Colombia. the the will and uh the thing the will makes you do the the you know little will that you put in a little little bag and maybe has a tiny logo on it you take out with a spoon uh to spend like 20 million dollars on ads so the president sees you and is like he's nice to me i'm gonna put him in charge of the army yeah. Although he ate almost nothing, Lindell insisted on grabbing the check, like any well-mannered Minnesotan would. In the interest of investigative research, I later bought a my pillow. Conclusion: It's a lot like other pillows, so perhaps that makes us even. When we walked outside, I thought I might say something dramatic, something cutting, something like, "You realize you are destroying our country," but I didn't. He is our country, after all, or one face of our country. Hyper-optimistic and overcontinent overconfident, ignorant of history and fond of myths, firm in the belief that we alone are the exceptional nation and we alone have access to exceptional truths. Safe in his absolute certainty, he got into his black SUV and drove away. I mean, I just love that like that that last that last paragraph coming especially from Ann Applebaum because it's just like what exactly does she disagree with him about again? Just it's it's just Trump and COVID basically. Yeah, yeah and we're it, not and, the and exceptional China. nation that gets to do whatever we want. That that's and not China. like the basis of her entire fucking uh, ethos. And like yeah. also like she's like uh, China like, instead of Russia. That's she's the like only oh, other you know, thing. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, just swap out Russia with China, and like that's exactly an apple. But she wrote a whole fucking book about this. I mean, like. The, the book she just published that just came out like the first the first chapter of it the opening scene is like a party she had like five years ago in Hungary where she was just like yeah half of the guests now there that were invited to my party are now all open fascists how, how weird that, how'd that happen to them they used to be my friends weird how did uh, they how did they turn into this in the interceding years how did that I mean, happen is, so surprisingly and dramatically this is a great article for that reason like not for the reasons that she intended like she definitely she intends for it to be like oh what a scary guy but it's like no, you know, you have two Mike Lindells inside of you. One of them's Ann Applebaum. <laughs> That's it, man. You can get Mike Lindell or you can get the boring boring Mike Lindell. But uh. they essentially believe the exact same shit. What is it? Oh, like confident and like believes that America is special and like will always have. That's literally the speeches that Joe Biden gives. Yeah. We're number one, baby. Yeah. We have a unique destiny. Ann Applebaum, you got to put me on. All right, so moving moving to the, to the other side of the wild, uh, the other side of the aisle, rather. Uh, the, this is the profile of a Chase and Buttigieg I talked about. It's in the Washington Post. The uh, headline is, In official Washington, Chase and Buttigieg is a stranger in a very strange land. Now, uh, before I, I get into this, this article, I mean, like, when I read this, I think the, the context in which you have to understand this article is, is how 
absolutely in danger Jason Buttigieg is right now. And I mean, like, his life and physical safety. Because, like, he is getting ready to get... He Like, they are going to trade him in any second now. Because he has fulfilled his usefulness. And he may get that Havana syndrome um, pretty soon. Because, like, I mean, is, just the, just the yeah. way this article is framed is... They're, they're getting ready to cash this guy out because they got, they got nothing to do with him. And, you know, Pete is about to be on to the next thing. Yeah, no, this is like, you know, however you want to put it, he dies on his way back to his home planet. He, his plane gets shot down over the South China Sea. Whatever you want to say, they're about to kill off this character. <laughs> this is, the writers have, you know, I mean, they got nothing for him to do in season two. So, uh, Chase, and so hence this article here. So, like, the, listen to this first paragraph. The first sentence, rather. Jason Buttigieg put on a few pounds during quarantine. Jesus, fuck. Imagine. Like, oh, this, this man, is, dude. This God is your profile damn. in the Washington Savage. Post. And the first sentence is just like, look at this fatty. Yeah. Can you believe this lazy pig gained a few pounds during quarantine? Jason's disgusting cold white belly <laughs> flipped over his belt. His posture is worse than I remember. Jason Buttigieg put on a few pounds during quarantine. So in April, with the pandemic restrictions easing and two doses of vaccine safely in his arm, he set about looking for a gym to join in the city where he had relocated after his husband, Pete, became the Secretary of Transportation. He found one on Capitol Hill that seemed nice enough, he says, until one of the gym's personal trainers approached him and explained that he had also worked as a lobbyist and that his boss would be upset if he didn't take the opportunity to ask Chasen to pass along some information to the secretary. It was like, well, we can't go here. I can't go to the lobbyist gym, Chasen recalls during a recent interview, rolling his eyes beneath his signature owl-framed glasses. He'd been warned before the Buttigieg moves, Buttigieg's move to Washington, a friend gave them a critical piece of advice about life in the Capitol. Work is play, and play is work. Six months like when they were moving to Washington, uh, Pete probably did the Mitt Romney thing. He was probably bungeeing Chase into the roof of his car. <laughs> <laughs> Liz Smith got to ride shotgun, and they're like, oh, Chase is fine up there. He likes it. Yeah. <laughs> He loves. He always sticks his head out the window during drives. Uh, yeah, he'd been warned. I mean, God, they've been, they should have given him a much ser- more serious warning about this fucking. But the uh, the warning should have been like, yeah, and like, and uh, nine months later, um, the, at the entire readership of the the city and like national newspaper the, of the city you moved into will just be like, breaking Dateline, Washington D.C. Uh, uh, first husband to transfer Jackson territory, let himself go. Ugly pig spotted a gym. <laughs> Chasten was not allowed on the couch because he got into a box of Frango chocolates. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the heart attack gun thing. Chasten got into a Valentine's Day. Someone left the Valentine's Day package out and Chasten got into it and uh, he had to get taken to the vet. <laughs> um, six months in, the former first man of South Bend, Indiana, can't believe how true it is. Like, anytime you're just relaxing, you're working, he says, especially on the hill. Cocktails, dinners, drinks. Everyone says, no work tonight. Then two minutes go by, and they're talking about a pipeline. You know, a bill or a package. The secretary's husband isn't particularly interested in talking pipelines and packages all night. He wants to dish about the HBO comedy Hacks. Alas, he seldom sees an opening. I mean, God damn it. Like, just what the fuck is wrong with people in D.C.? Hacks is a wonderful show. Gene he just Smart. wants to do bants, and they won't let him. <laughs> yeah. um, 
The second uh, goes, uh, such is life in Washington for Chasen, who finds himself in the deep end of an education and what it means to be the husband of a powerful political figure in a town of grippers, grinners, and wonks. I mean, a powerful political figure? I mean, that's... Treasury that's, Secretary. That's... Get out of here. Uh, transportation. Transportation oh, Secretary. Tra- yeah. Transportation is... That is the fucking booby prize. Transportation is like... They gave him that so Joe could make him say all the most unpopular ideas when he was like... What, what was the fucking dumb shit? <laughs> he wanted to raise the gas tax significantly. Yeah. Wasn't that? Yeah. And yeah. then the, the, there was also like a mileage. Ta- yeah. No, it was just every like every. Uh, uh, yeah. Every like bad idea. I mean, Joe's still got some tricks. It's like how he sent Kamala down to the border. He's going to make Pete do all the ideas. It's like, oh, everyone with a pickup truck has to buy a Prius. Uh, Chasen, 32, was the breakout star of Pete's 2020 presidential campaign. The middle school drama teacher was a novelty. Well, yeah, now in D.C. that novelty's worn off and they have absolutely no <laughs> they have no reason to pay attention to him. Or, you know, they're gonna, like I said, if, if I was Chasen, I would be very concerned about what this augurs here uh, as your novelty runs out in D.C. or your utility to the, uh, the powerful position of Secretary of Transportation uh, wanes. Not because he was the man married to an openly gay presidential candidate, but because he was young, a savvy and self-effacing user of social media, enthusiastic about pop culture in a way that didn't feel strained or strategic. <laughs> that didn't feel that way at all. Oh, no. There's, <laughs> it didn't feel like every time he tweeted there was a gun in the back of his head. I never got that feeling. Uh, in Washington, Chasen is more a fish out of water than he was on the campaign. He remains bewildered by many of Washington's social mores. Example, the Buttigieg's recently received a dinner invitation that came with two notes on what to expect. Super casual, no work. The host even mentioned that there would be bike parking, presumably because Pete Buttigieg often cycles to work. Chasen wavered, having rarely seen his definition of casual on display at social events in D.C., but he eventually pulled on chinos and a polo shirt. I was like, I swear to God, if we show up and everyone is in suits and dresses, he says. And we showed up and everyone was in suits and dresses. I mean, Damn. fuck me, man. This sucks. I want, a, I want a relationship where I can wear sweatpants and eat like gets me pizza. On a Friday morning in June, Chasen sits at a windowside table at Canopy at the Wharf, entertaining his visiting mother-in-law over breakfast until Pete could get out of work. It's the start of D.C.'s highly celebratory Pride Weekend, but he is not enmeshed enough with the city's non-government circles to take part. Oh, there's a parade this weekend, he replies when asked about his Pride plans. It's very hard to make a friend when everybody wants something from your husband, he says, or they're expecting him to do something. It makes interactions feel inauthentic a lot. You just kind of have to always have your guard up. I mean, I, I mean, like... I do, I do feel bad for him because it seems like he's really like kind of lonely, and uh, it, it just, it, it just, it seems like, uh, like yo, like he doesn't know what to do with the social mores of DC, and it's just like, oh, you don't want to play the game? Well, we're cashing you out, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> no, he, he, uh, unlikely recipient of my sympathy for sure. Because I mean, like, for sure. I, like, because you know what I mean? Because like, like you're right. Like he was the, I guess, like in some ways, the breakout star of the Buttigieg campaign, and like he was a big asset to the campaign. And there was all these, like, you know, as we said, like these very forced, awkward, like you know, like uh, all his social media stuff, and just like his, like, oh, I'm just like a quirky, normal, cute guy, and like you know, I'm so caught off guard by all the celebrity of my husband and things like that. And like that was useful for a time, but now it's a liability. 
Now yeah, it's no. just like, now it's like, you know, he's showing up, he's showing up to casual parties wearing a polo shirt. He's wearing, he's wearing a polo shirt and chinos at signatures. What a fucking rube. Everyone made fun of little baby for wearing a polo shirt when he met Kamala. You didn't learn from that, Chasten? <laughs> I mean, like he, like, I don't know what he can do after this, but I hope they set him free. I hope they really do set him to the fall yeah. club state. Cause this is not like, dude, once he got in there and saw that they were posting all those badass slow motion walking videos, he's like, Oh, it's not chasing a clock anymore. <laughs> no more time for like self-effacing selfies and stuff. That's like, Hey, if you think you're like doing bad in quarantine, you're doing effing awesome. No, none of that. It's walking. It's America's back. It's, you know, it's all the evil shit. We're doing all the evil shit. We're walking every day. We're getting our steps in. Get off the couch, you stupid pussy. That's what they're saying to him. While Pete seems to know exactly what he's doing here, Chasen is less certain. He remains somewhat stranded on an elevated, ill-defined pedestal on the dais of official Washington. He has paid nothing, has no title, and feels <laughs> alternately in demand and ineffectual. I mean, imagine if this was your relationship yeah. getting talked about this way in a national newspaper. He, he has no title. He doesn't get paid. All he does is charge his phone and lie. <laughs> doesn't know how to cook. Got fatter. Yeah. Sucks. <laughs> yes. It's not funny. He's, he's no longer hot. Yeah. <laughs> Oscar party sucks. This uh, is like this is like if Trump wrote this article. This is so tr- like it's like I heard Chase is doing very bad. He put on a few. <laughs> he showed up to the big party in a polo shirt. Chasten, why are you wearing chinos? Do you think it's 2014? He says, uh, so he says he's paid nothing, has no title. I mean, it's like he's like, <laughs> like it's like Victorian England and he's an orphan who's been just sold to some fucking rich yeah. baron. This reminds <laughs> me so much of uh, in Tropic Thunder when they're interviewing Ben Stiller and they're like, your last five movies have bombed. Uh, all your friends say that you're worse than ever. <laughs> Either you need this one to succeed or it's over. <laughs> They're gonna it's it's gonna be like Haley Joel Osmond and AI. They're just gonna drive him out to the fucking forest <laughs> and just kick him out of the car. Poor Ch- we gotta do a Chasten rescue off. Yeah, Chasen. We have to do Operation Entebbe for Chasten. <laughs> yes. Chasten, I, I would love to I mean, yo, if you if you want to talk about fucking hacks, I'm with it. Have you seen White Lotus, Chasten? Oh man, dude, that, that show is my new favorite. Chasten. There's a show, I think, or there's a movie I think you would love. It was also about a man who was held in confinement. Uh, but he, unlike you, unfortunately, became stronger by doing it. You see, every time he went into confinement, he did more and more karate until he was the <laughs> toughest man in the prison. And then he was able to take on, well, I don't want to spoil it for you. The movie's called Avengement. <laughs> We've seen it, and we think you can pick up a lot from it. Uh, it says here, uh, uh, throughout all of this, uh, he has held to a tight personal refrain. What you're doing is important, even when what you're doing isn't exactly clear. I mean, God, this is just getting more and more depressing here. This is very, this is very bleak to think about. We're going to take those out the maximum, Chasen says, pulling at the thigh area of a new pair of suit pants two weeks later as he returns to examine himself in a three-way mirror at a Nordstrom in Arlington. He bought the grayish-green suit on winter clearance, but never bothered to have it tailor, tailored. Now the tailor has bad news. The slim cut pants can't be made much wider. Jeez, I mean, like, <laughs> just the bitchiness. Like all, like all these details about like, oh, his suit pants don't fit anymore because he fucking <laughs> he didn't get the tailor. Oh, like, oh, we gotta get gotta get some elastic in those well, the the chino waistband there, Jason. Like, 
Oh man, I mean, it's just like I, I'm just like imagining like just like <laughs> it's just like are there other fitter guys who are more connected and good at DC socializing that are in Buddha, Pete Buttigieg's orbit right now? Because it's just like I just I just chasing man. My it's my heart goes out for you. Uh, yeah. Well, he says, well, hopefully I get smaller chasing quips. I'll do my best not to sit down. Ugh. Oh, he, he never brother. owned a suit until he started dating Pete. Never what? needed one. Then Pete ran for president. So Chasen spent a year living in them. I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's just like, we, we, like we, it's just like if you're in a relationship and you feel kind of like eclipsed by the other person and then you're in a, looking in a mirror in Nostrum and they're like, uh, sorry, this... <laughs> This potato sack doesn't fit you anymore. Yeah. Would you like this? Would you like a cape? Sir, we will pay you not to disgrace Jose Bank with your awful physique. <laughs> Look at Jason got disrespected out of men's warehouse. This yeah. is like, he's the most disrespected man in America. This yeah. is tragic you're shit. N- you're not going to like the way you look. I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, speaking of, okay, this is uh, about... Um, uh, Buttigieg here. It says the 39 year old Harvard grad, former McKinsey consultant and Navy reservist, has so much excess ambition that in addition running the U.S. Department of Transportation, he is also training to compete in a half Ironman triathlon this fall. He wakes for a 6 a.m. swim session most weekday mornings and stacks his weekends with long runs, bike rides, and workshops on open water swimming. So, like, he's basically engineered uh, a schedule in which he never has to talk to or see Chasen ever. He's he's doing a full time job, and then he spends every waking minute training to do an Ironman competition while his uh, while his husband's getting doughy. I mean, yeah. I, I can relate. Yeah. Uh, it says uh, one day, Chasen was riding a bike alongside Pete on a ten mile run for moral support. Afterward, while Pete paced in circles, catching his breath, a young man approached the couple with a smartphone and questioned the secretary about his position on China. That was just Mike Lindell, actually. Yeah, no, he was. Just, they like they think this is just like a homeless guy bothering him. Uh, what do you know about the packets? <laughs> Pete handled the ambush with impressive equanimity, according to his husband, warding off the man with a book recommendation. Chasen is a drama kid at heart, but Washington is a different kind of theater. The show never stops, and you don't always know when you're on stage, and on whose terms. When your life becomes the center for other people's criticisms and commentary all the time, why stay, he says. It's why I love him very much, he continues, talking about Pete. He's so committed to the job. You can tell he's happy and you can tell he cares. But sometimes it's like, well, it feels like you're built for this. It feels like you can handle this. Sometimes I'm like, I'm done. I'm taking a break. I can't be everything for everybody all the time. I mean, this is this has got this got Splitsville written all over it. Oh, man. <laughs> it's just, it's, this is, yeah. it's, it's it's you hate to see it. Bro, he's gonna get fucking dumped on Zoom. I hate this. It feels so bad. <laughs> like, we're gonna get chasing. Jason, we're going to get you your revenge body. I famously, I put on about 40 pounds during quarantine. I've lost almost all of it. You can come to the gym with me. I'm like, I don't know if you heard, Jason. I'm on one of, I'm on a famous dry spell. I need you to help me, to help you. I am going to get your cum gutters back. You are going to get me, you're going to like tell a woman, hey, he doesn't, he didn't say all that bad stuff. Uh, that, He's actually very nice. Jason, don't listen to Felix. Come with me. I will get you fatter than you ever thought you possibly could be. <laughs> I'm going to make you into a god. It's just a god of, of size. A size king. Jason, don't listen to Matt. We can do both. We can make you just 
uh, the roundest power lifter ever. <laughs> yes, there we go. We That's the perfect synthesis. Together. We're going okay, to make well, you into a power lifter. And Just Will a big is fat show guy you. who can annihilate uh, fucking stacks. Yeah, and you, Chase, we know what your deal is. You're probably like, damn, I love editing the Modern Family Wikia. Will's going to get you, you no, no more of that bullshit. Will's going to get you, like, cultured. You're going to be more cultured than Pete. Like, no, you're, <clears throat> we're taking you under our wing. Yeah, no, no, seriously, you, 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 like, well, straight, like, well, well, straight eye for the queer guy. That's what <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, yeah, yes, yes, you, yes, you, know, yeah. you can have fun again. You can live in a fucking, you can live in a place that where, where everyone isn't a grinner and a gripper who fucking, we have to wear dumbass clothes to eat bad food, go to bad food restaurants and talk to the shittiest people on the planet. Dude, Jason, Felix will make you fit. Matt will make you fat. Matt will make you accept getting round. <laughs> I, you go, you come over to my house. We're watching, we're watching White Lotus. We're watching Mayor of Easttown. We're watching Hacks. We're fucking, we're talking to all your favorite shows. We're like, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, we're not talking about lobbying. I, fuck, oh, I'll fuck never, that. I'll never train for a fucking Iron Man. I'll never make you go on a bike ride or even to the farmer's market. We're watching TV. We're having a TV party over at my house, Jason. We can smoke weed. No one gives a fuck. You can have a fun time. Chasten, yeah, no, there's like, there's no suits in this world. All of us wear stuff from the Showtime Billions collection. <laughs> Black button-up shirts, Donna Karen for men jeans that are very flattering, make everyone feel like Damian Lewis. Uh, we, no. And you think, you think you have to be out there and like explain or exchange like niceties with people, do small talk that's really about like some fucking car bill or some bullshit? No. People yell at us every time we leave our house. We're constantly yelling back and forth with people across from sidewalks. Uh, we're hated every time we leave. So you don't have to do anything. You just yell back. Like you, like, I just, I want, I mean, this is so going against hype, like reading this, I, I, I feel really bad for him, and I just want him to have fun no. again. I want him I really to have do, fun no, again. I want to do this. I want him to, like, live with us. Uh, I have a guest bedroom. Like, fuck it. It says here that, well, I mean, they may, he may be looking for a place because listen to this. The Buttigieg themselves moved into an 800-square-foot, one-bedroom apartment near Eastern Market. We couldn't afford the one-bedroom plus den, Chasen says. They chose the high-end building because of its location and the security it offered. The couple has faced threats and even a break-in back in South Bend. Rent for currently available two bedrooms started $5,650, though Chasen says they got their one bedroom for closer to $3,000 by locking in a long lease that gave them two months rent-free. We're doing fine for ourselves, and yet the city is almost unaffordable, he adds, while driving their Subaru Outback up I-395, which tells you how extremely unaffordable it is for many people. The transportation secretary's salary is $222,400 a year. Um, the couple sold their home in South Bend earlier this year, knowing they couldn't keep up the old Victorian from afar. But they didn't leave the Midwest behind entirely, pursuing a home on Lake Michigan and Traverse City, Michigan, where Chasen grew up and where his parents still live. He likes to escape there where he can, where, when he can, to hang drywall with his dad, surround himself with old friends, people who remind me of, like, me. Chasen, like, I think, I think, if, I think if Chasen spent enough time with us, he, like, we would remind him of him as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he wants to hang out with, like, other Midwestern, like, I have tons of Midwest simpleton friends, as in all of them. This is your, um, his ambition is just living his life in a very wonderful way. I don't know many people like that, says Charlotte Clymer, a writer and activist who became friends with Chasen during the presidential campaign. He's just himself. He doesn't try to mold himself into what he thinks people want. It's not even that he resists it, but he says the best person he can be is himself. Okay, Chasen, again, as part, as part of this package deal, no more fake friends like Charlotte Clymer. 
Because, I mean, this person was probably yeah, feeding... No, this, this person, snake. I guarantee you, Charlotte Clymer was feeding stuff to the Washington Post for this profile about, like, you know... Uh, oh, ask 100%. Him, ask him about when his, he had to get his pants uh, blown out a second time by the, the yeah. tailor. No fucking way. No fucking way. Yeah, no. This is a snake. I would never talk to the news about you unless it was positive. God, listen to this next section. I need a job, Chasen says flatly. Um, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You, don't. you really Just don't vibe. need a job. Don't worry about it. But like that's the thing, you can't do that in Washington D.C. You really can't do that. Yeah, that's true. Because like, there's no way for you to relate to other people, and it's just like like every all these psychos are only fixated on their dumbass jobs in in the swamp. Uh, namely, he wants a job that will pose no risk to his husband's career, while also allowing him to remain true to his passions and personality. Stepping away from teaching middle school drama has been one of the, his biggest sacrifices, says Nev, says Nev, Chasen's friend since college. He loves to play. He loves theater and improv, Nev says. Bringing that to younger kids, it was an outlet for him. He feels he can't go back, at least not now, not at a K-12 through level. How could he be honest and present, and present in the work of teaching young people, he wonders, knowing that a disgruntled parent could make news by airing their grievances? I mean... Man, how intense of a drama teacher are you? <laughs> <laughs> that's a risk like man dude he's the fuck yeah he's like the fucking who's the guy in kill bill the fucking instructor guy oh pi may yeah he's the pi may of drama teacher yes i think like, we clo- found clo- his problem closing out the profile here it says uh after the mall chasen is thinking about pete it's their third wedding anniversary during a quick target stop, he spots a hot pink gift bag with a close with a close up of a dog that resembles Buddy, their one eyed puggle. It reads, "You're a pugtastic." OMG, Chasen says, "That's it. That's the one." He slips it into a wobbly wheeled cart, confident it will make Pete smile. This is great. no, it won't. <laughs> Never. Fuck no, it won't. Do you think that dog did not? They're leaving shit out. That dog did not start out with one eye when they got it. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing they would the make. Did. The only thing that would make. Pete smile is if they put that dog in the fucking compressor from the end of Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> Poor fucking Chasten is like seeing LOL cats in 2021. It's like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like, this guy, he is not long for this world. Damn. Uh, it says Pete has something planned for the night, although he's keeping the details a surprise. The secretary did give Chasen one hint. Don't wear anything too dressy. So he won't. Jason Buttigieg knows there's one Washington insider who won't lead him astray. It's a mock execution. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you like you need a fucking job, you piece of shit. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, don't wear anything too dressy for our third anniversary. I'm just gonna like you know we're just gonna like order some takeout and I got you an Amazon gift card. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, but by the way, like, I, I can't stay up too late. I got to be up at 5 a.m. to uh, run 10 miles before I go to work. Just we com- got to save him. Yeah, just you know, save Chasten. That's just, the project. Damn, that's, that's the goal. Oof. That's harrowing. Yeah. That's harrowing. Like, I don't know how, but I like really do feel like <laughs> awful for him. It's amazing. I mean, I... I I got to say, reading through the lines there, I mean, it does not seem like a relationship with, like, a, a, I would not invest in the future of this. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm shorting yeah. this stock right now. But Pete, Pete there's, a, there's a life like, after it. You know what I'm saying? There's, there, there, there is a fun, good life for, like, an enthusiastic high school drama teacher to, like, just have fun, rediscover himself, and be around cool, normal people who will talk to him about um, HBO comedy series. Yeah. Three men you know, who have their own podcast, ages um, 19, me, to, I don't know, um, 
could save your life. You don't know. And uh, no, just give us give us a call. We want to help. Did you do you remember when Ben Morrow was talking about canvassing in uh, Iowa, and he like swayed a Pete voter because she was like, "Yeah, I was gonna vote for Pete, but I then I saw that Chastin's like gained weight and lost hair. I think this is too much for him. Oh, he's too sweet for this. This was like in early twenty twenty, late twenty nineteen. I mean, it just seems like they. They 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 used all of the um, kind sort of like nice high school teacher energy that he had on that campaign, and they just like drained it out of him like sap out of a tree. Yep. <laughs> and just like Liz Smith, just like you know, just used her alchemy to just yeah like like uh to, <laughs> to, to hollow him. And now now that they got the thing that they wanted, it's just like all those qualities are not only not useful anymore but like an active detriment to like everything yeah and like that's what i find so sad about it yeah well you know our line's always open i will always answer my door for chasten yeah hit up our line we got loud it's just so it's so fucked like it's like chasten has the personality of like one of the men who live in stars hollow and <laughs> like pete has like the evil the exact evil personality not as smart but like definitely the same like level of evil as george hw bush like that was not gonna last. that was never gonna last he's like this is this guy like works in the kitchen at lorelei's hotel and pete is like the antagonist in the dead yes movie. he's jackson yeah, yeah. and, and pete is just there like in the basement uh like living in a small box like uh the guy from profit <laughs> oh my god fucking profit that show rocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The guy, the Prophet, for people who don't know, Prophet was a network TV show that was on Fox in the 90s. And it was about a guy who was abused by his dad and made to sleep in a box by this like super conglomerate. And his, like, it caused him to like work his way up the ladder in the company as an adult and kill everyone in the company. Yeah. <laughs> TV used to be awesome, dude. TV ruled. That's one of the things we're going to watch with Chasten, actually. We're going to be yeah. watching Profit reruns on... Yeah, we're just going to be... Does this remind you of anyone, Chasten? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Chasten, uh, season five of Billions restarting in Ooh. September. Come on. We're going to have a Billions party. We're going to have, we're a, billion, gonna... we're gonna have a Billions party. We're going to have a Billions party. Chasten is invited. Yes, 100%. No one, no, no one wants anything from you. No one wants, expects anything from you. You can dress like shit. You can look like shit. You'll look better than I do. You know, <laughs> so you're ahead, of the, you're ahead of the curve already, buddy. Come on. Jason, I will let you in on all my weight cutting and weight gaining secrets. <laughs> I can't wait to show you what I've learned in my life. All right, then. I think that, uh, that does it for today's episode. Um, till next time, fellows. Bye-bye. Till next time. Bye-bye. Tonight. All right! We're gonna have our TV party, all right! Tonight! We got...